0: Welcome back to another episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, your how-to guide, happy place, and support system for navigating the ups and downs of life. Please share today's episode with your friends and family members and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, I'm not a licensed therapist, just a teenage girl hoping to help. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, surviving teenage depression and anxiety. Today, I'm joined by my sister, Ivy. Hi, I'm Ivy. I'm Sadie's younger sister. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for sitting down with me. So this episode is going to be all about independence and standing up for yourself. So we're going to teach the DBT fast skill, which is the skill used in interpersonal situations when you want to keep self-respect and talk about our experiences with trying to gain independence as teenagers, working towards that point when you go off to college, you move to the house, whenever that is, and you're like alone, which is terrifying to have to experience all the consequences for yourself and make all your decisions independently. So yeah, we're going to get into that, talk about the anxiety, talk about our experiences. So yeah, I thought Ivy would be perfect for this because we are constantly talking about how we want more independence and more freedom and stuff like that. So yeah, um, I'm really excited to have her on here. And yeah, I think we're going to have a good conversation. Awesome. Okay, so first, a little bit of DBT education. So a couple episodes back, episode 19, which was dbt education interpersonal effectiveness overview and so in this episode we taught how to clarify what your goal is in an interpersonal relationship whether it's to achieve your objective is it to improve the relationship or maintain or improve your self-respect so we did other episodes episode 20 was the dear man skill which was to get your objective and episode 21 which was to improve the relationship so this episode is all about how to improve or maintain your self-respect when you are in an interpersonal situation. So, the skill for that objective is the FAST skill. And FAST is an acronym that stands for be fair, no apologies, stick to values and be truthful. So, to go a little bit more in depth, be fair it means being fair to yourself and being fair to the other person. You're going to remember to validate your own feelings, your own wishes, and what the other person is feeling. So, we talked a lot about validation, which is not necessarily agreeing with what the other person thinks or is saying or believes, but saying that you understand why they believe that. You understand that like it's valid that they feel that way. And you don't, again you don't have to agree with it, but you notice it, you see it, you appreciate it. Okay and the next is no apologies so you don't want to over apologize sometimes when you get into an interpersonal personal situation especially when you feel guilt about something i know i revert to like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry please forgive me like lots and lots and lots of apologies and that's something you want to avoid so you don't want to apologize for making requests you don't want to apologize for just being you don't want to apologize for having an opinion or for disagreeing because that is completely valid that is okay and you don't want to look ashamed so your body language you want to look confident. You don't want to have your eyes and head down or your body slumped. You want to look as if you believe what you're saying and you don't want to invalidate what is valid, which is that you can have emotions, you can have feelings, they can have emotions, they can have feelings. So the next letter is stick to values. And so, with this skill, or with this part of the skill, you are saying, and you see the pain they're in, and you want them to get better and feel better, and you just can't put that on someone. You can put that on yourself, and and you might feel like you need to, and that they need you, and there are other adults in their life and people in their life who can help them, so... I don't know for listeners what their number is to tap out at, but for me, given the headspace that I've gotten to now, it's one time I'll tap out. And that's different from a friend being upset and needing to talk on the phone or crying about a breakup or something like that. But one acute situation where I need to get an adult involved and crisis manage that from a distance place. And I'm like, okay, no more of that. We're tapped out. I'll distance myself from this point.
1: But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, at one point, I felt very responsible to kind of detect every eating disorder mm-hmm. I could possibly find. And detect. I would like, I would read the DSM and like diagnose everyone. Like, <laughs> what? And I like, think such a mess. one thing I had to tell myself is I'm not responsible for their recovery. I can help them mm-hmm. and I can do my best, but I'm not responsible for it. And so there's sometimes only so much you can do. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought yeah. that up.
0: yeah. And because I know myself so well and I've been in treatment with girls for over a year, I see the different core beliefs and the different unhealthy patterns. So I'll joke to myself or my close friends and I'm like, oh, that's what's happening right there. Like this is this dynamic with parents, but it's different from becoming involved and, and betting yourself on their recovery because mm-hmm. it's it. we both know how draining it is to recover yourself mm-hmm. and you have control over that. You're making the decisions to fully mentally invest yourself in someone else's recovery when you have no control is pointless. And that's like when I think about my parents, like, oh my god. Like they just see me going, they saw me going downhill and downhill and not choosing to work on myself and there's nothing they could do about it. Like they wanted that so badly for me to be happy and they couldn't do anything about it. And so I'm thank god. I don't have to deal with a kid and getting them to treatment right now and hopefully ever. But it's it's mentally I don't know a point where it's worth it for a teenager to invest themselves in the outcome of someone else's wellness and mental health. And not to say not to have a relationship or support someone, but not to invest yourself fully and bet your wellness and your happiness on their recovery and mm-hmm, outcome. For sure. So what advice do you have for teens who are currently struggling with either negative body image or unhealthy eating
1: um, patterns? So I think it's a, little bit, it's a little bit different for both. So starting with body image, like you said, I think we have to realize – Um, that we're going to have good and bad body image days and there are so many different terms out there that we can use. We can use body confidence or body positivity or fat positivity or body diversity. And all of these mm-hmm. things mean something. There's such technical terms that mean something so different. And I've read a lot from different creators and influencers and people that have all of their different opinions. And what I have come to terms to on my own and my own personal decision is that despite all of the differences among all of these terms that I saw. So greatly love myself but that my account is a more than a body account and -hmm. what I mean by that is that sure I am in full support of body diversity I actually I love body diversity that's one of my favorite concepts ever Mm -hmm. and I am in full support of those in bigger bodies with like that use hashtag fat positivity that's fine Mm -hmm. but I think more than anything I like to see my body as more than a body And I Mm -hmm. learned everything. I have to give them a little bit of a shout out. I I learned everything body image related from Beauty Redefined. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were a program that I did when I was in treatment. And they taught me that I am not Um, an ornament to be looked at. I'm not a decoration on a shelf, but that my body is an instrument for me to use. And with my body, I can do so many things. I can play the piano and I can cook for my family and I can donate blood and help save a life. I can use my body to get up and walk and get myself to school and to drive to work and to support myself and to support those around me. And that's what my body is for, not not to be admired and not to be looked at. And I don't <laughs> owe it to anyone else to wear certain things for them to admire and look at. I don't owe it to anyone else to be objectified in any sort of way. And that's what I think of as true body image comes when you realize that you're more than an image. And so I don't recommend standing in the mirror and telling yourself 10 things you like about your body, but instead stand there and tell, your thing, tell yourself, you know what, I'm gonna accept myself as I am. I don't have to change anything to love my body, but I'm going to be so grateful because my arms can move and my legs can move and my, my mind can think and I can move and use and jump and run and do whatever I have to do with my body. And that's what, that's where true body image comes from is when you realize that you're more than just Mm -hmm. that outer shell.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. So what advice do you have for parents of a teenager or a child or or an adult who is struggling with an eating disorder or eating disorder tendencies?
1: I think, once again, you got to use a little bit of tough love. I remember there were some days that we would be in total arguments with me and my mom or me and my dad and just yelling and yelling and super frustrated both of us at each other at this eating disorder. And there were other times that we would just hug and cry together. And there had to be that balance. There had to be both. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think parents can do is they can't they can't be responsible for their child or whoever it is that they're looking over to recover they they can't be the sole one accountable for that. And so they need to seek professional advice. They need to look mm-hmm. into a dietitian. An eating disorder dietitian, if possible, they need to seek a therapist as specialized as possible. And even just seeing your general physician or your pediatrician also helps. And I had all three of those members as a part of my recovery team. And then you're going to have to invest in some sort of treatment and recovery, whether that is therapy, whether that's coaching, whether that's courses and workbooks, whether that's certain products, whatever it may be, Mm you're going to want to invest in that. And then I did have a few pieces of advice for parents who are trying to teach and foster a good environment. There are some things that I think we focus on, one of which are numbers and weight Mm -hmm. I personally have made the decision in my life, and I recommend it to everyone I can tell, to ditch the scale.